0: And welcome back to your favorite new podcast called Wild Quincy. Chris Ketters here with Travis Hoffman. And Travis, have you done any levee walking since the last time we talked? Only in my
1: mind, Chris. I keep replaying the events of that night, just trying to figure out exactly what we saw. We ruminated on it pretty good during our last Patreon episode, and we still don't have a good conclusion. So, we'll see. We'll see. Time will tell.
0: Yeah, and of course, uh, speaking of the Levy Walker, your shirt that you designed, dude, is very cool.
1: (laughs) Yeah, a couple people picked one up. Yeah, Feel free to go jump over to the merch. You can go to wildquincy.com and smash the merch link and check out our offerings for yourself and become part of the Levy Walker Survivor Club. It's uh, a weird weird flex for all your friends. So, there you go.
0: Well, and you were just mentioning to me, too, talking about the merchandise store, uh, we got mugs, we have uh, shirts, polos, sweatshirts, everything you can think of. Uh, I will give this out to you, Travis. You do not know this. I bought a sweatshirt for myself. It's 100% cotton, and I washed it for the first time. It did shrink a little. It shrunk a little. That's good to know. That's heads good to know. up, if you're going to buy something on there, maybe buy it just a size larger, because if it's 100% cotton, it will shrink, as my wife told me. <laughs> After well, there the fact. you go. There you go. <laughs> so Good to yeah, know. check that stuff out uh, again: mugs, uh, shirts, uh, keychains, everything you can think of is on our merchandise store. And also, by the way, our Patreon is also up and running. Had a lot of positive feedback on our last episode that we had of um, the uh, Wild Quincy After Hours with the Wild Things, as we now refer to them as. And I want to give one shout out: Cindy Sexton, a new member of our uh, Wild Things group, as she joined in at the uh the i believe it's the is that the medium Jeff special no i I believe so i believe so yep you're right thank you cindy we appreciate you coming aboard yeah so we do appreciate that and travis we we're cutting our intro short we're jumping right into it pretty quick here because this is a big episode that we're going to be talking about when i started doing the research for this i thought to myself oh man i don't know if we're going to be able to fill 20 minutes with this and I have like 6 pages. You <laughs> got your outline. oven mitts
1: on people cuz it's going to be a hot one, Chris. What are we ripping into? What, uh, we, we got the fire, we got our hands grasped on the fire hose as you teased earlier this week. Yes. What, uh, what do we look at? What, what's cooking?
0: What's we're cooking? Di- we're diving down the fire pole, uh, and we're looking at the history of fire throughout the city of Quincy, but before we get to that, we're going to get to the question of the day, because we always do that before we jump into the fun stuff. Travis, like are it. you ready for this question of the day? No. Now I am. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now like, I am.
0: I, I, I'm, I'm not throwing you any sort of curveball with this. Okay. And I'm not going to tell you that it's a softball either. I always sit
1: up real straight for some reason whenever you <laughs> ask me the question. But I'm now... At the right 90-degree angle, proceed.
0: There you go. All right, Quincy is uh, the only city in Adams County. It's the only city referred to as a city because of the size and and the type of government that it has. However, there are villages in Adams County. The question for you is, is how many villages are there in Adams County? I'm going to give you some options here, Travis, make it a little bit easier for you. The options are 8, 10, 13, or 15 Mm, okay. Mm. So that is the question. Now, uh, there's, again, just to repeat, there's one city in Adams County, and that is Quincy. However, there are many villages in Adams County, and we want you to guess the number. Is it 8, 10, 13, or 15? We'll have the answer for that coming up at the end of this episode, but uh, right now, we got to get into it. We got to turn on the water hoses and spray her down, because we're going to be talking about fires on this episode of Wild Quincy, coming up next. Woo! Hi, this is Kevin. I don't always listen to podcasts, but when I do, I listen to Wild Quincy. Now, back to our host, Chris and Travis. Stay wild, my friends. Stay wild, my friends. You know, Kevin Anderson. That is awesome. He, Thank you so much. He
1: just might be one of the most interesting men. In the world, that Kevin Anderson. <laughs> a beloved uh, wild thing himself. Thanks, Kevin. We appreciate that voicemail. You set the bar pretty high there, man. Appreciate that.
0: And as always, if you want to be like Kevin and... Uh... Stay wild. You can do that by giving us a call on our listener line. It's uh six one two six 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 wild. You can leave a cool message like Kevin did for us there. <laughs> Kevin, that's maybe one of the best ones we've heard yet. If, if you don't stuff.
1: have the numbers, uh the letters handy, it's nine 666 9453 or wild, whatever you're feeling, how saucy you're feeling. You
0: know, it's you never really think it's hard to dial letters until you actually have to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It takes long, you're like, uh, nine, uh, yeah, you have to search for all the numbers, so, uh, but yeah, uh, check that out, make sure to do that, and help us out, so with our intro, our return liner, it's very cool to hear that, and we appreciate uh, Kevin doing that. Travis, are you ready to get into this subject, because this is a, this one's a fun one, uh, it's a it's a fun one in the aspect of the history, maybe not so much in what happened.
1: I got my fireproof underwear on, Chris, so let's do this. Actually, I would have those on all the time, I'm just very cautious,
0: go on we have a lot to cover here we're going to jump right in by talking a little bit about uh, the history to start things out the fire department of course we talked in the last episode so started in 1838 uh, Travis, interesting fact about this is that did you know that John Wood was on the first fire uh, fighting team for the city of Quincy? I didn't
1: know that per se, but I guess when you think about it, Quincy was, had to start pretty small. So I imagine a lot of people had to pull a lot of like triple, quadruple duty. <laughs> I would imagine. He was like, hold on, I got to sell some plots at the cemetery. Hold on, now we got to fight some fires. Hold on, I got to do some mayoring <laughs> and go. <laughs> yeah,
0: he's like, what's Pussy next? Busy guy. guy, that John Wood. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the town fathers determined in 1839 that a bucket brigade was needed, and they purchased the town's first hand-pump fire engine for $1,124.58. Uh, by the way, that's a neat little thing. Actually, there's a steam-powered fire fire engine that you can now see it's been restored uh and that is actually i believe is that at the what museum is that do you remember Uh, it's
1: uh i don't know the name off the top of my head i always get it wrong when i try and say it but it's right there at the john wood mansion complex across the little alleyway i think it's osage orange i always want to say that at quincy history shop i think maybe is what it's called now i don't
0: know yeah 12th 12th and state is where that's look at the mansion
1: then look north and you'll see it in the building yeah
0: uh going back to john wood wood was one of the early volunteers for the fire company number one according to the company's minute book that is part of the collection at the historical society of quincy okay, that works. in adams county so there you go so now we know it's historical society of quincy so so that's a little bit of info i don't want to get real deep because i really want to get into the fire parts of all this and we have a lot yes. to cover but travis there's one thing that i was really curious about because you hear about this all the time when you hear about these large fires you hear oh it's a two alarm fire or it's a five alarm fire i don't understand any of that means do you do you have an idea were you able to look that stuff i up? did
1: i did basically i mean the alarm fire those are short codes and as a way for the fire department and the dispatchers they needed a system to kind of de- to spoke to the severity of the fire it basically determines how many firefighters or teams of firefighters are needed it takes into a couple considerations. Um, some of those things include uh, the size of the structure, the degree of the fire, the proximity to other buildings, um, how many people may be trapped in the fire. And basically it's a system one through five. One alarm is just the standard response. Two-alarm pretty much doubles the firefighting effort. When it gets to a two-alarm fire, they actually need an additional support vehicle called a supply shop, and that's kind of doling out more equipment and a little bit more of an organized effort At a two-alarm fire. And up three-alarm fires, again, you can kind of see how the, the presence is multiplying through this in a 3 alarm fire, the department actually sends a media relations crew cuz it's obviously a big enough situation. It's a pretty good sized fire if it gets to a 3 alarm fire and they just they're able to, you know, inform journalists, keep people abreast of the situation, what's going on. You hear 4 alarm fire quite a lot. I mean, this is a catastrophic fire event at a 4 alarm fire. Most fire departments only see one or two of these a year. You could expect up to 21 emergency vehicles in this situation. Five alarm fire is is very rare, and that is pretty much hell on earth. It feels like, you know, from what you know you hear. I mean, just complete bedlam. Um, things are pretty bad if you're dealing with a five alarm fire, Chris. So that's in a nutshell, kind of that whole alarm code and what, what, what all that means.
0: One of the things I saw with, I believe it was with the five alarm fire, and it was back back in the day, it may not be prevalent now, but back in the day, a five-alarm fire, I believe they called in all the off-duty firefighters to come in and work that too. So I don't know if that's a current thing, but I know that back in the past, that was something that they did as yeah, well. Yeah, I think a
1: lot of that is kind of regulated by the population and how many you know departments there are in a given area and how much of a pool of uh, active firemen or non-active there actually are to pull from, I would assume. But
0: yeah, I could see that in a smaller community, Chris. So, I'm gonna key you in. I, I If I remember right and if somebody if i'm wrong somebody can correct me but uh, the newcomb hotel fire that we saw back in 2013 that was a five alarm fire so it's a was a big fire and it doesn't even crack a top five list of worst fires in quincy
1: i think the wind was pretty vicious on the night of the newcomb and being in a downtown proximity to everything else i think they probably took some pretty exhaustively preventative measures, I would guess. But yeah, if someone has some insight into that, please let us know at wildquincy@gmail.com. gmail.com.
0: So, so we're gonna do kind of a twofold here of what uh, we're gonna lay this out, because we really want to get into the nitty gritty of exactly w- these fires that happened in Quincy throughout the years. What we're gonna start with is what I call fires of interest. These are the fires that uh, I came across during my research and Found them interesting and found kind of a, the layout interesting. Uh, so we're going to go through that. But what I'm going to do after that is, Travis, we have a top five worst fires in Quincy. Okay, top five. And how I did this, uh, you can't just say, well, such and such was the worst fire ever. You had to have some sort of determination to make a top five list. So what I ended up doing was I took and looked at what the estimated losses were because – Up to more current times, it's not as prevalent. You don't see as many estimated losses, but back in the day, you saw a lot of times where they said, oh, this is a... $40,000 $40,000 loss or a $20,000 loss, $5,000 loss, what I was able to do was take, okay, what year that event happened, how much was the estimated loss, and then I did it with inflation to figure out what the cost would be in today's world for that fire. So it gave us a better idea of what the actual top five list of was the worst fires based on loss of uh, property. Well,
1: aren't you just an overachiever, you little brown noser you? No, that's fantastic, Chris. <laughs> that's a great way to kind of take all these elements throughout history with a scale and put them all on the same page. So that's Incredible way to way to do this and I can't wait to hear what you found through doing so.
0: And what we will do is I had to to do this, I had to make it on an Excel sheet. I have that Excel sheet. I, I handed it over to Travis. We're gonna put that on wildquincy.com right. so you can check it out, get an idea of, of those fires. There are some, I will tell you, down the road, like for example, the St. John's Episcopal Church fire that happened in two thousand and two. The repairs for that fire were like four point five million dollars was how much it cost to repair that building, but that's not technically how much it was lost. Right. Because that was including, you know, the renovation and, and rebuilding of that, so I couldn't use that as a number. But if I would use that as a number, then it would almost crack into the top five list because that's quite expensive for a remodel. But again, that was a very old building, a very old church, and um, so you kind of kind of put that in consideration. But I didn't use that as the as the list because because of that, because that was for remodeling and not for losses. Right. Uh, the other thing I will point out real quick too is that there isn't any losses of houses in this and i most i mean you could talk to any firefighter i would say that a good portion 80 90 i would assume of their fires they're responding to are to do with house fires but those unfortunately uh fortunately unfortunately however you want to look at it they don't have a lot of loss of of um obviously a lot of loss of personal belongings and memories and all that stuff. But from a financial standpoint, they don't really crack any lists. Plus, if I was to go through all the homes that lost were lost in fires for the last two hundred years in Quincy, it'd be a very long day. You'd be busy. (laughs) Very, very busy. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So, so let's start here. I'm going to go through the fires of interest pretty quick. I got a couple comments on a couple of them, but uh, for the most part, I'm just going to give you the list. In January of 1875, this one's a pretty big one. The county courthouse on Fifth Street opposite of Washington Park was destroyed. We talked about that with, uh, with Rodney Hart right. in just a few episodes ago. Uh, it was erected, by the way, in 1836. So it made it, uh, let's see, about 45 years, 44 years before uh, it uh, fell to fire. Uh, next one on the list, I have, and I didn't have a location for this one. I tried looking it up, was couldn't really find inf- information. But a Presbyterian church in January of eighteen seventy eight burned. Uh, it's thirty eight thousand dollars in damage. Webster School, Travis, is this one? Yeah, in the no, team? I
1: definitely heard heard tales of Webster School. Yeah,
0: yeah, this has actually got a lot of tales to it. So Webster School. Uh, was burned to the ground February of eighteen eighty one. The building was replaced, but a few years later it was torn down again because it was unsafe. So they had to build a school again. Oh so Webster School has a mem- has a history of a lot of. Uh, tearing down and building back up Uh, so that's a webster school then the other one which is uh going into the hotels you're gonna hear a lot about hotels uh, in this uh, list quincy house which is now the lincoln douglas building also where star radio is located on 4th and main that was burned january of 1883 actually i believe that
1: was on the caddy corner diagonally chris to where the newcomb was Oh, Yeah, I believe it was initially the Quincy House. The foundation of the Newcomb, if you'll remember, was uh, stone material, and that was Mm -hmm. actually left over from some of the remnants of the Quincy House, I believe. I believe it was the Quincy House, then it was a roller rink or some kind of a skating rink, and then that was replaced later by the Newcomb.
0: That makes sense. That definitely makes sense, because I did see something about a roller rink. Yes. And I didn't connect those together. It's good catch, Travis. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, April 30th of 1896, Tank Hardware Company had a total loss. It was $55,000 loss back in April of 1896. So do that transition to today's money. That's actually a pretty right. big one. Then we get to one we talked about. I believe it was like episode one that we talked about. And that was the St. Francis school fire that happened on December 22nd of 1899. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yep. And then we go to back to Tank's Hardware Company. They oh, had a second yeah. fire just five years later on June 2nd. Uh, this one was for $70,000 loss, Jeez. and that was in 1901. February of 1904, Wholesale Row um, is uh, something we'll talk about a little bit later. It was a big fire that happened. Uh, in March of 1904, the Newcomb Hotel. Caught on fire. Now again, you said Quincy House ended up becoming Newcomb Hotel. Uh the, right? it was
1: in the same foot f- footprint, roughly. Footprint. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: So, so they built that up, and very quickly the hotel caught on fire. Yes. Unfortunately, uh, that was 1904. Two women did perish in that. I, I have a feeling, Travis. I didn't dig into it very much, but I have a really strong feeling that we're gonna have a Newcomb Hotel episode sometime. I think it's future. inevitable.
1: Yeah, that was that that block there itself has a lot of stories.
0: Uh, in uh, February of 1905, another school, this one was Franklin School, was destroyed. That was a thirty-five thousand dollar loss. September of 1908, the Moeller and Bandaboom Lumberyard Lumber Yard was lost at fifty thousand dollars, and in February of nineteen thirteen, the Boomer Bloomer, excuse me, Bloomer Michael Packing Plant, which, by the way, this is an honorable mention on the top five list because it was an eighty-five thousand dollar loss in nineteen thirteen. Hmm. Uh, it was said to be the largest industrial plant in Quincy at the time. Hmm. So yes, uh, that was a huge loss, and. Um, by the way, Travis, our number one worst fire in Quincy happened three days after this fire. Interesting, interesting. Yes. Uh, so just moving on, a few more left here. August of 1913, the Osgood Stables burned down. February 1915, Jarrett's Barn, which sounds like, okay, it's just a barn. Uh, it's uh, between 2nd Street between Maine and Jersey, and a quote was in the newspaper was saying, believed to have resulted from a spark of a match in the hands of a tramp. Those tramps Stop playing with the matches, <laughs> tramps. you got to love 1915 <laughs> newspapers. Uh, only $30,000 in damage, but flames melted. And this is where it's important. There's only $3,000 in damage, but flames melted the transmission wires, throwing the city into total darkness. Those transmission oh, wow. wires, Travis, came from the Keokuk Dam. They were the main power supply coming into town. Interesting. So the town was without power for a long period of time. I didn't
1: realize that uh, the power emanated from up there at the Keokuk
0: plant. I didn't either. Did we just find another episode for another Quincy down the road? Where did the power
1: come from? You never know
0: we jump in time here so that was in 1915 the next big events that made this honorable mention list was going into february of 1968 and that was the honda motorcycle shop it was destroyed by fire we're kind of reaching out of town now is that was located at 4501 broadway um, how this started was a light bulb burst igniting gasoline in greece And you'll know this name, Mrs. Gus Trader, proprietor, and Jim Lyons were in the building at the time and escaped without injury. But the building was a total loss. Traps, I'm going to have you post some pictures, some really cool pictures in the newspaper uh, from that fire. But that was back in 1968. I do want to mention this, too, real quick. The stuff I just talked about was pretty easy to gather because I was able to access that without having to travel. Uh, This next stuff is more by just hearsay and more of... It, it, actually, in my stack—it's harder to find current stuff than it yeah. is to find old stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Kudos to the the library and uh, organizations who have scanned in such a, the old newspaper archives that are now searchable and just a
0: goldmine of uh, yes,
1: easily to access information that we just don't have the luxury from about uh, mid seventies and up. It's a little tougher. yes.
0: Exactly. And and then it becomes really hard that like 70s and 80s time period, it becomes hard because the only way you're going to look at newspapers is literally going to the, the library, which is fine, but you have to search through everything like one by one by yeah. one. You can't just do a search for fire and come up with all these results. But we have a few in the ninety or in the, the 80s, none in the 70s. So we want to throw this out to anybody. If you remember any big fires from the 70s, let us know. Uh, if you could give us like a month and a year, and so we can research that and we'll come back to you at the end of the season, maybe with some additional information, but we need some lead way because it's really hard to go through 365 days times 10 years of newspapers <laughs> a bit of to find a bit fires. We have
1: a lot of spare time, but not quite that much.
0: One we want to talk about here, I uh, don't have much information on 1988, the Duker Hall funeral home burned down. They rebuilt Actually, uh, from my understanding. The outside of the building was pretty much replicated. Yeah. Uh, the inside was modernized, but the outside looks the same uh, today as it did for the old building. In 1993, which this probably will be a future episode on November of 93, the JC Penny building caught on fire. Uh, I mentioned the August, 2002 John's Episcopal church fire. I did have, I did print out an article and i'm going to make noise in the background when i do that so i can grab that article real quick i do want to mention this um st john's was celebrating their 150th birthday the year of the fire mm. it was it was a five alarm fire and it, we mentioned this in a previous episode but it was it was caused by a lightning strike oh wow and um the worst part of the damage was actually in the old part of the church um they had some re- remodeling done in the f- in the front area of the church and that one didn't have as much damage And there's some interesting pictures online you can take a look at where it looks like the back's completely gutted hmm. uh, but the front looks decent if i remember right there's there's there was a picture in the herald wig where the like the altar was still normal well wow. like, nothing happened but the back was just nothing it was amazing gutted.
1: how that can happen in a fire just right. some parts are completely untouched and some Parts are just abominated
0: so that was uh, back in august of 2002 a couple others here just to mention just uh just throw them out november of 2004 the cellotex building down on garter river expressway caught on fire uh june of 2012 and i bring this up because we may be visiting there soon sprouts Inn in quincy oh, sure. had their first fire and then uh, finally uh, september 6 of 2013 the newcomb hotel fire as we mentioned earlier so there it is, kind of some fires of interest. But are you ready to get into this top five list, Travis? Yeah, I'm anxious to
1: see how everything stacks up over time.
0: I'm anxious to see. You're. We've quickly learned through this podcast, Travis, that you are a savant of Quincy history. Mm. So I'm, no, don't argue. Mm. So, Okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. Thank you. So I'm curious if you're going to know any of these as okay. we go along. Uh, so we'll start with number five, and it happened January 16th of 1950. It was the Tony Vitus Transfer and Storage Warehouse. Familiar with this one? Um, no, this is this is beyond my uh, sovereignty.
1: I'm not sure how to say that word, if that's Savancy? even a word. Is that even a Soventies?
0: word? <laughs> There you go. That sounds good. Uh, This was a three-story and a four-story brick building. It was constructed in 1880. It also had a two-story garage with it. It was located on the southeast corner of 10th and Vermont. The biggest users of the warehouse uh, space were a company called Walter Chatton. And I believe Chatton, the Chatton company, is still around. I believe they're on like... I want to say like 30th Street, uh, south by the Chevy dealer. Could be. Um, no, I guess it would be 24th. Yeah. Uh, on the north side on 24th. Uh, they had stored uh, farm equipment and machinery and included many tractors on the first floor of the, f- uh, the four-story building. It was believed at the time that as much as 75000 which with inflation today, Travis, would equal about $805,000 of equipment was lost by the Chatton Group. And you,
1: did you say it was agricultural equipment?
0: Yeah, so tractors and that uh, planters. That makes sense. Those
1: and, cost so much that uh, if it had been something else in that building, I don't think you would have touched the top five. But with that contents yeah. being destroyed, that makes total sense to me.
0: Well, that's not all that was destroyed. Uh, other items include four pianos, ten electric organs, two freight cars filled with merchandise counters, lighting fixtures that were being used to get this, Travis, for the remodeling of the J.C. JCPenney store on 6th and Main. <laughs> oh, God.
1: Yeah.
0: Big circle there. Oof. Big circle. Yeah. Uh, a large deep freeze was also uh, completely destroyed. It was used by a company to store meat. 35 to 50 people had personal furniture belongings in there as well. And Vitus themselves lost five delivery trucks, but they were able to save five of them. Also in this, three firemen, a police officer, and two volunteers were injured hmm. and, during the fire. The three firemen had a close call with death when an exploding gasoline tank on, the, on one of the trucks blew out and what happened when it exploded the wooden supports for the one of the floors i guess i would assume it's the first floor gave way in the floor dropped and they were able to jump out of the way before they were uh, killed by the collapse of the floor. So that could have been scary because that could have been the loss of three firemen right there. Uh, Also, just a couple other notes, the Hannibal Fire Department heard what was going on. They offered their assistance. And uh, just to give you a wrap, because I will do this with each one of these in the top five list, the total losses for this event were estimated to be $300,000. And that is in 1950 money. You do today with inflation, that is $3.2 million loss Ouch. for that company. Yeah. And that's number five. And that's number five. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. So we got a ways to go.
1: <laughs> Cha-ching. Okay.
0: All right, so we go to number four. This one is, uh, I mentioned earlier, it's called Wholesale Row. Have you ever heard of Wholesale Row before?
1: Uh, Not before this whole topic of fire and stuff came up, I I, I I guess I've cheated now that I know a little bit about it, but tell everyone else about it, Chris.
0: Okay, so this uh, Wholesale Row was located on the west side of 3rd Street between Hampshire and Vermont. You'll hear Vermont a lot. Vermont was not lucky when it came to fires in Quincy. Uh, this happened February 21st, 1904. The fire started around 1.30 a.m. This is one block east uh, of uh, where our number one fire took place. Mm. So we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But the fire started at the Reliable Incubator Works. I have no idea what kind of business that is. Uh, maybe incubating baby chicks. I doubt it. <laughs> Do you know, Travis? You fucked up.
1: <laughs> that's where I would go to if I had to guess, but I don't know. I don't, so much has changed over the years.
0: Exactly. Uh, this happened in the elevator shaft in the basement of this business. The fire gutted the building so quickly that the north wall of the incubator building crushed the roof of the smaller building that was occupied by W.H. Hoffman oh. as a printing office. Uncle W.H. Yeah, it's good old uncle. (laughs) Quickly, all the wholesale row was on fire. Other businesses and buildings destroyed were Nichols and Sinoch, S-N-N-O-C-K, Summer and Lynn's wholesale drug, H.A. Kiespel and Company, Schoetz Saddlery. and the Quincy City Hall windows cracked from the heat. So you had six businesses. Man. Out of this uh, wholesale road that were lost in the fire. Uh, so now we hit the number stats here. Losses in this 1904 fire estimated to be 180,000. That would equivalent to $5.2 million in today's world.
1: That's shocking that with that many different businesses getting wiped out that it's still just number four right
0: <laughs> right like <laughs> isn't that crazy God, i mean you,
1: you put it in perspective like that and oof,
0: yeah it's gonna get interesting buckle up <laughs> exactly exactly So we move on. Number three. Number three happened April 21st of 1902. Travis, you mentioned this one before we started uh, this episode. The Jim City Sawmill. It was a fire that started in the blacksmith shop about 100 feet north of the sawmill. It was never actually determined how the fire started. The blacksmith, he left around 1 p.m., and the only thing that was burning was the forge, which, hey, it's a forge. It's fine. But five minutes later, all of a sudden, the blacksmith shop was completely engulfed in fire. Mm. Mm. Soon and very quickly, the fire spread to the sawmill, which was right next to the blacksmith shop. The fire, get this, covered an area of 800 feet wide and 2,000 feet long. My God, huge area! Wasn't this is all this, happening on Front Street? Yeah, I was just gonna
1: say that was close to the river in the North Front area, correct? Yes. There were quite a few uh, different sawmills down there at the time, and I've always heard that saw sawdust is pretty combustive, isn't it?
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so absolutely I mean, is. I gotta
1: imagine that was just a powder keg ready to go down <laughs> there
0: yeah we'll talk about how bad it was in just a minute uh, and it could have been worse the sawmill was equipped with firefighting equipment uh, that was on hand so before the firefighters got there they had equipment they had employees that were working there as well but there was a very strong southwesterly wind that way and that is kind of a um, kind of a given so it seems like almost all these fires that occurred always happened when there was a very strong fire or strong wind that was occurring. Uh, during that event. Uh, So what happened with that strong southwesterly wind is it quickly got into the sawmill area. The employees were able to obtain hoses to start working on the fire, but it was just going way too quick. So quick, in fact, that the the employees that had the hoses would often have to turn the hoses on themselves because their clothing would catch on fire. Wow. Uh, yeah, tells you how scary that is. Uh, now, getting back to what you're talking about with uh, how flammable a lumber mill and sawmill yeah. is, <laughs> they had eight million, eight million feet of lumber God. on the property at that time. Eight million feet, Travis. This estimate that I have down below, if you take today's lumber prices and put that in there, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, Yeah, I mean, it's like seven bucks for like a two by four that's eight foot tall. I mean, it's crazy expensive today, but uh, this is a lot of lumber. Surprisingly, Travis, surprisingly, you had eight million feet of lumber and they barely were scratching the surface of what their total capacity was. My God, it could have been so much (laughs) worse. The season was just getting started. They had logs that were coming down the Mississippi River. They were at Burlington when this fire occurred, and they were working their way down the river. So they were just getting started for the season when this fire started. Man. (laughs) Yeah. man. Yeah uh so additional talk about some of the additional damage a large number of houses were also burned down around the area of the sawmill a domestic tree fertilizer company was destroyed there was also damage to a railroad bridge that crossed the creek nearby railroad switch house was destroyed also the fire department lost one engine because it got caught in the flames and then another engine was toppled over in a ditch and what happened i read was they were and this is with horses but they were he was driving real fast he was uh, trying to get to the scene and there was a guy in the middle of the road and it was either hit the guy or hit the ditch and so he hit the ditch to, to avoid killing the guy
1: you sure he um, wasn't doing burnouts
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right he the, the, again talking about gruesome 1902 newspaper coverage they actually went into detail like well if he would hit him it would have sliced him in half yeah. I'm like, Wow Okay, well, thanks for your coverage. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, real quick, Gem City Sawmill had 300 employees that lost their jobs because of this. And uh, do our drum roll, Travis. Our total loss, again, 1902 loss, was $235,000. In today's inflationed world, that would come out to 7.1 million, and that is number three.
1: Now, a little tidbit on that, Chris, is I think there was a pit of kind of scrap lumber and sawdust they used to fill in a pit that was about mm. 30 foot, I think. And that thing smoldered for, reports say, 15 years. <laughs> oh, wow. So this was <laughs> even with potential like flooding in the area. This thing still, every once in a while, from what I understood, is that the fire department would have to come out there and, and deal with a little bit of, uh, you know, a little smoking going on in that, in that footprint of where that was. Wow. Can you imagine that? 15 years that thing smoldered. Good 15
0: Lord. years. Wow. Yeah, so there you go. 1902, the Jim City Sawmill coming in at number three. We are down to our last two, Travis. So uh, these are going to take a little more story in depth working. I do want to mention that in this time frame around 1900 to 1910, Quincy didn't have one newspaper. They didn't have two newspapers. They didn't have three newspapers. They had four. Four. Count them. Four newspapers. So there was a lot of reporting going on in this time frame, which is good for us because it gave, gave me a lot of information to work off of. Absolutely. So we move to January 18th of 1906. This is the Shote Saddlery. He shakes his head.
1: I've heard the name. I've heard the name. I believe it was actually affected in some capacity in an earlier fire you mentioned in a a warehouse row, perhaps? Or what was it called? Wholesale row? That was it. Wholesale
0: row. We're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. Uh, So, again, 1906 is the timeline we're looking at. There's another name that's included with this fire. I'm not going to mention the name because we're going to get to that in a minute. Uh, so it was the sad Lurry and something else. The fire started around three ten in the morning at a stable of Fred Harnest at two twenty five Hampshire Street. Newspaper reports say the origins of the fire are mysterious. There were two men sleeping in the stables at the time the fire started. There was also another newspaper report saying that there was around two o'clock that morning a guy named I think it was Mark, uh, something they didn't even have a last name for him. Was he a like, tramp. <laughs> he might have been. Mark the Tramp, uh, he was, I believe. Yeah. He was delivering a horse back to the stable, and it was under it was under suspicious circumstances. So, <laughs> who knows? It was really weird how they reported it. Uh, nothing short of emptying... Oh, this is a quote. Nothing short of emptying a section of the river on it would have extinguished the blaze, according to one newspaper report, due to the being filled with flammable material, because... You're in a stable it's a it's a horse stable I mean, what do you got straw and wood i mean yeah it's literally a tinderbox yeah uh again we talked about the winds a strong west northwest wind was uh, making the fire spread quickly and very shortly after the fire started at the stable it moved over to the Schott Saddlery company the distance between the stable and the uh, saddlery company was like three or four feet so you're only looking at a oh, couple feet yeah. between these two buildings the Saddlery Company was a five-story building built in 1887. It was a four, and then not only it had a five-story building, but a four-story building was located in front of the larger building. It was filled with manufacturing goods. As the fire department tried to fight the fire, they were hampered. Of course, again, like I mentioned, the fire the fire moved quickly over to the area. Sa- sure. uh, and what happened with the fire department was they were trying to get to it and trying to use the hoses to 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 get to this building but you had it's 1906 you had electric lights and power wires telephone telephone graphs or telephone telegraph wires Street railroad trolleys and guy wires. They had all these wires in front of this building. They could not get around to actually when they would shoot the water at the building. It would just like spread it all out because of all these wires that were in front of it. Finally, the uh, city's electric company got the power shut off and the fire department was like, screw it were knocking these poles down. So they literally chopped the poles down and (laughs) let them fall to the ground.
1: Man, that must have been so frustrating. My God, I can't imagine being right there but just not being able to get an angle on that.
0: Right. Yeah, so once they got the power shut off, they got the poles chopped, as I mentioned, and then they were able to do a little bit but it really wasn't doing any good because the fire was out of control another quote says in the paper that the flame shot hundreds of feet in the air in a short period of time the south and east walls of this building collapsed outward into the street when that happened it also covered up a bunch of fire hoses that the fire department was using so they couldn't use those fire hoses anymore because they were buried under 20 feet of rubble at this point in time then as uh, all this is going on all of a sudden, these embers and cinders are blowing all over the place. Travis, guess what's across the street?
1: Oh, I, I, I'm i scared to even guess, Chris. Uh, just let
0: me know. Quincy City Hall.
1: Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no.
0: So what happens here is the cinders are getting caught in the shutters. So uh, the, the City Hall this time has this beautiful copper-plated roof. But there's this really neat, like, intricate... Like and as I mentioned, they're kind of like shutters uh, that go around the building, but they have like like places for stuff to get stuck in right and so what ends up happening is is these cimbers are or embers are just blowing and blowing and blowing at the city hall they get stuck in those little crevices mm. and before they knew it, the roof of city hall is completely engulfed in fire
1: oh man
0: so firefighters they're trying to blaze the uh, battle the blaze with the roof but the problem is that the roof is so high up the water cannot reach that high there's not enough pressure in the water hoses to reach that high so very quickly the fire department goes this is a loss we can't do anything with this we're, we're gonna have to move on so they let the city hall go and they're like, it's done, but they have all these other buildings that are around City Hall that they're trying to deal with and they're trying to save. Uh, real quick, just to go back before we get on to those things, what ended up happening with City Hall was the third floor was completely destroyed, and that was uh, the town hall location. On the second floor, the Board of Education rooms and the Superintendent of Schools is located in that part, as well as the Assessor's Office, the committee rooms for the City Council and the Council Chambers itself, as well as the City Engineer and the Board of Public Works offices. They were destroyed. They were destroyed. The first floor kind of came away not so bad, not so destroyed. The police offices are down on the first floor, also in the basement. I believe the jail's on the basement. Uh, Those didn't come away as bad, but pretty much everything that was not vaulted on the first floor in the police chief's office was also destroyed. Hmm. Uh, I I think I have this somewhere else in my notes, but I'm going to go ahead and mention it now. Yeah, uh, Two prisoners were locked up in the city jail. Uh, when this was going on, they released them. They just said, Go. We don't have time to deal with you. One was accused of some robberies. Another one was just put in there for being drunk that night. Yeah. So, no, <laughs> all, nothing serious. Yeah. No murderers. I mean, <laughs> so they didn't want to deal with that. They're like, Just go. We'll. we'll on our system, guys. On our yeah. system. <laughs> Come back when the (laughs) jails open again. Um, Yeah, that never probably happened. Uh, So that gives you an idea of what happened with City Hall. The fire department, like I mentioned, turned their attention to other buildings. They were able to save the McBann building and all the structures to the east and north of City Hall. So the City Hall took the blunts uh, beyond the uh, Saddlery, But, uh, uh, yeah, the other buildings, not so much. And, by the way, remember Wholesale Row? Remember we were talking about that earlier? Get this, Travis. Those were the last two remaining buildings from the original wholesale row that were standing. The Sadlery and City Hall were the last two. Cursed, it would seem. Yeah, wholesale was just never meant to be, man. Uh, So the City Hall and Sadlery, as I mentioned, they made it through the 1894 fire, but uh, not so much through this fire. Let me give you the additional notes on this before we wrap this one up. I mentioned about the prisoners, uh, the embers from this fire were carried all the way to 13th and Broadway. One man picked up an ember that was as large as his hand. My god. So, that was probably like 10 blocks that it, that that, that yeah, blew. Just um, about yeah Uh, the city believed that all their financial records were were safe in the city a few days later the uh, city moved to the county the county offered to uh, let them stay at the county courthouse they did rebuild this building travis Uh, the the structure itself the outside structure was in pretty good shape so they were able to rebuild the police moved back september of 1906 and the uh, rest of the city services moved back in December of that year so they were really quick on getting back around for the city services I didn't find and I would love this too by the way maybe you know Travis I was wondering when that transition happened and what happened to that building because that was a sound and I saw some pictures we'll post them on on our Facebook and on our website the city hall was beautiful beautiful building whatever happened yeah, to Yeah, I don't have
1: a good understanding of of why they transitioned to the uh the modern location now. It, there was such the weird flip-flopping there on those two locations. I don't have a great a great uh, story for you, but I'd love to hear other people that might know a little bit more
0: about it. I you know, I really thought to myself like, man, that was such a beautiful building. Why would you yeah. Or you know why would you want to be in like and then my my first thought was okay so was there another fire at City Hall at some point in time and that's why they had to move but I couldn't even find that information all I saw was ended up seeing bids for uh, bids for building a new building all of a sudden I, I never my only thought why. would be potentially
1: they needed more room they
0: oh yeah that's the facilities
1: a good point. maybe mm-hmm. I, that's just a guess though I don't know for sure
0: but it really makes me wonder what happened to that building.
1: Well, yeah, I think, uh, I forget, Rodney threw a little tidbit out, I don't know if it was on the regular episode or the Patreon episode, but that that little access point there behind the main center, it's called Jail Alley, and the reason why it is Jail Alley is because the jail was part of, you know, exited out there in the back of that alley, mm. so there's a reason. <laughs> if a lot of people just think that's a little strange, why is this called Jail Alley?
0: So yeah, a little tidbit. I just nodded and listened when you guys were talking because I had no idea about that. So (laughs) I was like, "Eh, sounds good. Uh so let's get to our numbers. Drum roll. Our total losses for this number two event. And again, this was event that happened in nineteen oh six. Our total losses were three hundred thousand dollars. Okay. Our inflation adjustment for today would put this just over a ten million Ooh. dollar loss.
1: Man, ten million.
0: I'm trying to like million.
1: add that all up in my head. That seems
0: The Saddlery had a lot I mean, the Saddlery was very had a lot of stuff, and then of course I mean your city hall pretty much had to be completely rebuilt. Yeah, that's so that true. was another thing that's too. That's
1: a good point. Interesting. Wow. Yeah.
0: So <laughs> now we go to number one.
1: The the mother of, of all fires, it would seem. The
0: mother of all fires. And I'm going to jump boat a little bit on this, Travis, since we're talking numbers. Yeah. I'm going to give you the number first. Okay. And then we're going to go through some Switch, of this information. Switching it up. Hit, hit us with I some am. numbers, Chris. So your total losses for this number one event... That happened February 17th, 1913, as I mentioned, three days after the Bloomer Michael Packing Plant fire. So you had two massive fires happening in Quincy in a span of three days. Bad week to be a fireman. The total losses for this event in 1913 dollars was $400,000, which made the total loss in today with inflation at $10.4 million loss.
1: Wow. Wow.
0: Yes. What year was was this? It was February seventeenth of nineteen thirteen. Okay, and it was the Dayton Tablet Company.
1: Dayton Tablet Company. What kind of operation is this, Chris? I wasn't familiar with this place until you mentioned him the
0: other day. My first thought was, wow, they made iPads in 1913. <laughs> Very early but then I doctors. quickly realized that wasn't the case. Quincy did invent the <laughs> iPad. A lot of you people might think it's Steve Jobs, but. Yeah, it was really the Dayton Tablet Company. <laughs> uh, no. So the Dayton Tablet Company was a big company in Quincy. They uh, were doing stationary. They were doing just normal paper. They were a paper company. Okay. So so that was their main influence, um, and we'll get into the details of Dayton a little bit later and some of their other big stuff. Fun fact, this isn't the first fire for Dayton Tablet Company. Oh, they
1: had, like, <laughs> what, another one?
0: <laughs> no, they, they ended up having four altogether. Four? Four Yeah, four this, was the, this was the third out of four. Jeez. Um, there was two fires previously. I, I wanted to start with this. Uh, first of all, the building was located 2nd Street between Hampshire and Vermont, Ding, 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 Vermont. Yeah. The the tablet factory extended from the southwest corner of 2nd and Vermont to the northeast corner of 2nd and Vermont. The building was the whole block. Wow. In my outline here, I I just put tinderbox as the next subject. Jeez. The reason I put that is because in an 1899 article I came across, it was discussed about a burn that caught fire that was right next door to this building. The article suggested the barn fire could have been much worse, Worse, suggesting this area was already not in good shape. Because they were like, there's three of these large buildings right next to it. This could have been horrible. This was 1899. This was 14 years before the fire happened. But obviously, people in the community knew. Including those <laughs> pesky tramps. Yeah, right? Right. <laughs> Um, So they they knew this was not a good area uh, for fires. All the newspapers reported that the origin of this fire that happened will remain a mystery due to the rapid acceleration. Of course, and we mentioned uh, this is a tinderbox. I mean, literally, you have paper supplies. You have uh, wood. You have all this stuff to make paper. I mean, it's just, again, this is almost as bad as your sawmill incident. But now you have much more combustible items than what you probably would even have at the sawmill. Right. Right. Some of the theories about what happened, nobody, they said they had no idea. But the theories that were thrown out, maybe combustible material in some sort of waste, like you have dirty, oily rags that may have caught on fire. Friction from crossed electrical wires was an, thrown out there as an idea. And also carelessly thrown cigarette or match was another idea. Well, they
1: did They did do printing, too, in, in the, one of the facilities, I believe. And yes. And lots of different inks and, and other materials that could be very flammable from the printing perspective at that time as well. So who knows? Yeah. A number of vari- yeah. potential variables, it sounds like.
0: Yeah, the fire started around 7.45 in the evening. Uh, it was shortly after the employees left for the day. The fire originally broke out in the stock room of the tablet factory on 2nd Street. At first, the fire looked like it was just going to stay in this one room, but then all of a sudden went, boof and just went, <laughs> went insane and blew out of that room and quickly just spread all over the place. The firefighters, they got there, they started working on it, and they went this is not good this is not we're not going to be able to save this building so let's look at the bil- other buildings because get this travis there's other buildings connected to this building oh boy so uh, their efforts uh, were for nothing as i mentioned they spread to three other businesses unfortunately the dayton tablet was a two-story building that was as we mentioned was the size of a city block there was also three other businesses that were three stories tall that were connected to to the tablet company in full the fire covered almost half of a city block
1: my god
0: i wanted to read this to you because i thought it was just kind of a really neat little uh, excerpt from the newspaper back in that day so i'm just going to read this little section to you the fire was one of the most spectacular that it is possible to imagine the buildings most of which were three story structures were remarkably well adapted on the inside for the fire to secure a foothold once the fire was started, the flames quickly spread, and it was not too long until the flames were shooting from the windows on every floor. A furious draft was created by the flames, and these fury tongues licked out of the window in every direction. Soon the roofs began to crumble, and the flames, which had been confined to certain parts of the building, leaped into the sky, lighting the heavens for several blocks in each direction until it was almost daylight. At various intervals, explosions served to make a blaze more spectacular and to send the flames higher into the sky. The explosions were caused by gasoline and served to further the aid of the flame in the campaign of destruction. Man. Hmm. Heavy.
1: Well, you you teased this episode on Facebook with a photo from the newspaper, and just that alone is impressive in you know old black-and-white photography, so I can't imagine... Being foot on that ground in front of this spectacle and just, my God. The heat coming off that thing must have been tremendous.
0: Oh, yeah, Man. for sure. Hmm. So kind of wrapping this up, so total businesses destroyed by the fire was not only the Dayton Tablet Company, also the Mississippi Valley Bank Book Blank B-L-A-N-K Book Company, Stationers Manufacture Company, and the Quincy Photo Engraving Plant that you mentioned earlier, Travis. They were completely destroyed by the fire. However, not damaged or destroyed, but still damaged the Grim Boiler Works, Eagle Tobacco Factory, and HM Shear Company. They received pretty extensive damage, but was not destroyed. Sad part about this uh, report state anywhere between 450 to 600 people were employed just with Dayton Tablet at the time of the fire. They all lost their jobs, and as I mentioned, about 400 thousand dollars in losses. Some a couple additional notes. A few days later, the Dayton company said they they're done in Quincy. They're they're not gonna they're not gonna rebuild. So I mean, you're looking at 450 to 600 jobs just boom gone. However, he changed his mind a few months later. Decide they were gonna build another uh, building or start another business in town. The reason dayton wasn't really pushing for another business in town get this he had 450 to 600 employees but he said there wasn't enough workforce in quincy huh yeah (laughs) that was his reasoning even though he still had like so many employees at that time well
1: i won't spoil anything chris but
0: it didn't seem like the safest place to work from what i found (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) from what i sent you uh yeah there's some stories and i think this is going to have to this this company itself is going to become an episode down the road because of some of the wild stuff uh travis uh, a few days ago i was researching this before we did this podcast and i was like all of a sudden i think i was sending you like Post, 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 post. I'm like, can you believe all this? I found this in one section about this company, about the insane employees. And some and- of these articles look like something you would read
1: on the Onion. You know, yeah, right. <laughs> Just tremendously <laughs> ludicrous. And boy, it it tickles the imagination. And and I did a little looking as well on this. And Chris, boy, this I don't know what we call this episode that we're planning on doing, but it's got <laughs> everything. It's you want got to talk about everything. The- the
0: definition of wild. Ooh, it's you, probably going to be this. Uh, yeah. yeah it's, so we're going to get into that. Uh, but as I mentioned, the Dayton company they did decide to come back a few months later. They rebuilt. Unfortunately, March of nineteen fifteen. Guess what? Building catches on fire, burns to the Shocking. ground. However, it wasn't Dayton's plants. Uh, Dayton. Uh, Dayton's fault. The tablet company's fault. It actually was an adjacent building that was called Hayton Pump Works, and that was the one that caught the fire. And uh, it and course pushed over to that area so travis that is it again uh 10.4 million dollars in losses with today's inflation and that is your number one worst fire in the city of quincy history
1: well i I hope it remains the worst because that's uh that's that's tough hey quick shout out all the the qfd quincy fire department i mean yes through the years they continue to be amazing and uh from doing the hard work of of racing into burning buildings to helping out communities and making sure car seats are securely, you know, set in your cars. Uh, I mean, these guys, these guys do it all. And I've, I've had a couple instances in the past where we thought maybe we had a little smoke in the house and they come in there with all the equipment and just, you know, what a great, a great, uh, heroes, man. I mean, kudos to everybody in the fire fire departments out there. Um, you know, you guys are doing amazing work and, uh, Add a boy, I guess, right? Add a girl. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: A- and congratulations to Chief Henning. I think he's getting re- ready to retire in a few months. So congratulations to him. Maybe we can have him on in a future episode of Wild Quincy. Talk about the firefighters.
1: That'd be interesting. I'd love to hear more about that.
0: Travis, there's one building that has a history of fires not mentioned in this episode. Oh. <laughs> that's because it deserves its own episode. Okay, well, what, what uh, are we
1: going to spill the tea a little bit on what that yes, is?
0: Yes, we are. The Tremont Hotel. Tremont. It's located Tremont. on Hampshire Street. Hampshire. It also has this. In today's world, it has this big four-lettered name on it called WGEM. Oh, I thought you, I
1: thought you were thinking another word we can't say. I'm like, wow, <laughs> it's family family friendly, Chris. I believe there's a peacock on there somewhere too. If Emory serves, is
0: there? Yeah, I believe so. Uh, this building has such an amazing history i began making an outline for it it became so long that i decided we need to do our own episode on this building because it has such a rich history so be looking for that next season as we'll be talking about the tremont hotel not only the fire history the history of the building the history of wgem coming in oh and the history that it may be haunted We'll Ooh. talk about all that Ooh, coming up next season I like it Yes, Juicy. It's going to be a full-fledged episode So <laughs> there, uh, Travis, is a look at fires And the history of those fires in Quincy We'll be back here on Wild Quincy after this <laughs>
1: This Saturday, set sail on Mormon Lake as the Quincy Park District and Y101FM bring you the Great Cardboard Boat Regatta. And the key word is, God <laughs> forgot Fun for the spectators as they watch the boats race a 200-yard course, and some of these boats may not make it to the finish line. And believe me, if anybody knows it about not making it to the finish line, it's
0: this guy right here. We're going to have food and refreshments. It's going to be a good time. The Great Cardboard Boat Regatta up at Mormon Park. Need more
1: information? Call the Quincy Park District
0: or Y101FM.
1: The spectators will see you run around and I don't know what the heck I'm saying.
0: <laughs> There's an interesting throwback ad for you. It is the Boat Regatta. It's Quincy Park District Boat Regatta. And the voices on that TV commercial back in 1998, I believe, were none other than Dennis Oliver and Doc Holliday. Travis, do you ever go to the Boat Regatta?
1: You know, I don't think I ever ventured out, but I always remembered seeing it as like a highlighted news story. And, and it looked like a good time. It looks like a real good time. And you know, they had the, la- the last one they had was in 2019. Obviously, 2020, the whole Corona thing, probably not uh, capable to happen. But if that thing happens this year, Chris, you know, if, you need I need I am not
0: getting in a boat. Not getting,
1: but it's cardboard. It's the best thing you can make a boat out of, Chris. I can't. I can't. I can't swim, man. I can't <laughs> swim. Oh, it'll. It's fine. Just hop on the back of a turtle. It's Mormon Lake. There's turtles in there.
0: <laughs> they do have they do have life or uh, uh, safety vests for yeah. those. I think most of them are in safety vests, yeah. so, yeah.
1: What if we find some really small guy go- like jockeys? Maybe they're <laughs> off-season. We get the lightest people we can find, Chris, and Maybe put that's, them yeah, out in the, the boat instead, because I'm Maybe a husky guy.
0: Key. We could do a wild Quincy boat for the boat recorder. like robots. I, I like that idea robots I'm sure there's some ai out there now anyways chris <laughs> yeah so uh, funny backstory on this we'll have this uh video it was an actual video we came across so, i think travis this is one of your vhs tapes you sent me that had this on this but uh it's so funny I, I know doc uh from back in the days when i was at star radio and he was there he i believe he's in colorado now uh but uh <laughs> i gotta i love this because if you know doc uh Tag him in that video when we put it on our, our Facebook page because he's got a red rat tail. Ooh, wow. That's a good look. In that video. That's a good <laughs> yeah. look. I got to love Doc. Uh, yeah, so Doc Holiday in there, as we mentioned, Dennis Oliver. Dennis, Dennis Oliver, by the way, a time Y11 guy back. He was a 99Q guy, too, I believe, back in the day. Legendary. Uh, I think, Legendary. Yeah, I, I believe all the the legends in Quincy Radio probably 99Q guys at one point yeah. in time. But uh, unfortunately, Dennis Oliver, he, he retired just a, a little while back after 40 years of being in the radio world. Uh, he retired at 62 years old, uh, suffering from Alzheimer's. Uh, he was actually pretty open about it. He did an article back in 2017 with herald Wig, and it uh, talks about what his experience has been with Alzheimer's. And I uh, So best of luck with uh, Dennis and, and his journey with that as uh, he moves along. Of course, Oliver and Dorsey, they were the morning show guys on Why for a long time. Long, long time. The big so. dog
1: Jeff Dorsey is still rolling on, putting out some great yeah. products, so gotta love that.
0: Yeah. Raja Maples? Sarah Diane Sarah That's Dyan. right. Sarah Dyan, Dyan, Dyan and
1: Dorsey in the morning. Or maybe the vice yeah. versa. Either
0: way. Yeah. So shout out to them and uh yeah, check that out. We'll have that on our Facebook page. And who knows, maybe if they bring it back, we'll uh we'll adventure a, a wild Quincy. Uh, Boats in the next one. Want to check that out. Uh, Travis, you ready? Are you ready for the question of the day to finish things up? Yeah,
1: lay it on me again, Chris. What do we got?
0: So, Quincy is the only city in Adams County because of its population and how the government's designed. However, there are villages in Adams County. And uh, how many villages are there? So, Mm. your possible answers are eight. 10, 13, or 15.
1: You want to take a guess? Man, I ugh, this is tough. I, I don't really think about that kind of stuff. Uh, I'll say C. <laughs> what, this, what was C? I <laughs> forgot the number, so I was just going to pick 13? One. Yep, that's the one. <laughs> that was a good guess because you are right okay.
0: there. Okay. 13 there of them go. in Adams that's County. That's two weeks in a row
1: I hit the nail on the head,
0: Chris. Yeah, dude, you're on it, man. So for the turkey that's next pretty good. Week. There you go. Is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're going to bowl a bowl of turkey. So that's pretty good. Uh, Yeah, 13 of them. uh, And, um, of course, those are Camp Point, Clayton, Coastburg, Columbus, Golden, La Prairie, Liberty, Lima, Lorraine, Menden, Payson, Plainville, and Ursa. And the reason that we bring that up, Travis, is because uh, we're kind of going out of the city limits a little bit uh, in our next episode of Wild Quincy and heading to the uh, town of Liberty. You want to fill us in on the details?
1: yeah. Yeah. we're going back in time a little bit. We're talking nineteen hundred era very strange story Chris. There was a na- a man by the name John Lou Miller, and John was an avid hunter very uh very strange to be hunting in the middle of the night, though, which he often did. And you know why that was Chris? Maybe even a stranger reason. John Lou Miller was blind, Chris hm, but that didn't stop him from being an avid hunter. That alone could be a story in itself. However, when his wife and niece that was staying with him uh, wind up hacked with an axe, um, mm-hmm. fingers started to point back at John Lou Miller. So this is a very weird, twisted tale of a blind man and his axe, potentially. And we're going to dive into the story of what happened out here. Did he kill his family? Did something else happen? A lot of questions. It's going to be an interesting episode crime related uh next week on wild quince or the two weeks from now on wild quincy unless you're a patreon member and you can jump and get the off week episode next week which you definitely should
0: dig more into the fire on our patreon episode and looking forward to uh episode 10 of season one as we get ready to wrap up the season our first inaugural season of wild quincy travis wrapping things up are we missing anything uh i would encourage everyone to
1: let us know if we are and uh just drop us a line if you've been thinking about it This has always been a two-way street. We love hearing from you, so give us a shout, wildquincy at gmail.com or Facebook message in the comments or however you want to. We'll be listening for you.
0: All right. For Travis Hoffman, I'm Chris Ketters. You've been listening to Wild Quincy. We'll see you next time. Take care, everybody.